Okay, well, now we're recording. But what – so, okay, so let's talk about this. Yeah. So my idea was uh, tales from the assistant director. Right. Now, um, we can not say your name or we can just keep talking and then just figure out if later on if I have to beep out your name. It's up to you if you want to, like, say stories that it may get, like, too good to be juicy. Uh, yeah, I hope I have some juicy stuff. I mean, by juice – we mean slander, <laughs> accusations, well, um, and things that uh, shorten your... Uh, I wish I had more dirt. I have yeah. interesting stories for sure. Right. Because you're seeing how the sausage is made in the factory. Right. I can certainly say my name and you can bleep it. My sure. name is Ross Novi. Right. And I've AD'd for uh, 17, 18 years now. Um, I remember saying if I AD'd more than three years, I was quitting the business. So we're on the 15th <laughs> anniversary. What is that, limestone <laughs> for my broken vow? Um, so, but if, yeah. if, if somebody, let's just assume that people, everybody's heard of AD, but they don't really know what an assistant director does. And to be fair, I think, I think it's just running the set. Like actually the person telling the grip and the gaffers what to do and the actors where to stand. Is that oversimplifying it? Uh, you know, it is. It, it, it's a terrible name. Let's start with that. Uh -huh. Assistant directing. Because first thing, everyone goes, so you get coffee for the director. Um, <laughs> which, you know, the worst thing is, yeah, occasionally you do, but it's more of a, that's not my job. That's like, hey, you're next to the guy all day. And, you know, right. or you'll delegate it out more often than not. But that has nothing to do with your job. Right. It's really uh, on-set producer. That's what you're doing. Um, right. In fact, uh, it would just even look better on your resume or your life because that's what you're doing. Is every day you're managing the set mm -hmm. when you're shooting. You're in charge of all of those people in terms of their safety, mm -hmm. in terms of um, how they're managed as a resource in and out, communicating with them what you're doing, um, labor laws, children's welfare, uh, actors' comfort, union obligations. It's everything. It's on-set producing. Right. Um, and then in pre-production, you're scheduling everything and planning how you're going to attack this mountain of a movie or TV show or whatever. And there's no post, and then you're done. When you wrap, you're done. So, yeah, assistant directing. There is a huge directing component. You direct extras. You help mm. achieve the director's vision. The example I usually say for uh, assistant directing is there, you read the script, there's a parade scene. So you talk with the director and figure out how many elephants and how many people on stilts and what the float's going to be like and if there's flowers and all that. But the assistant director is the one who says, okay, you guys are going to show up. How long do you need to get the float ready? Uh, how do we block the street? How many cops do we need? Let's let the grips know where they can put the crane. Let's get, uh, figure out how many extras. A lot of times, let's even pick who those extras are going to be. Let's uh, arrange enough time so we can rehearse it. A lot of times, I will even call action on the actual parade. It will go, and then I'll turn to the director and say, so did you like that? And they'll say yes, or let's make some changes, or no. Um, and it's certainly the director's vision, but uh, if they had to do all those details, they'd drown and lose the big picture. So they need a right hand man or woman and that's what we do right and so when you were growing up you thought god if i could just be an assistant <laughs> director yeah when i grow up yeah it's funny you you watch movies and you go oh well, what's the best boy grip at least that has a little sexy what the hell is that about assistant director kind of goes by you don't even think about it yeah. as a kid um, i came out it just seemed like the job that was in the nexus of what's going on mm -hmm. i wasn't a photographer first I wasn't a photographer first, so I saw that the, usually it's the director, the DP, sitting there planning everything, and sometimes the production designer and certainly mm -hmm. the producer, but the AD was also there. And I was like, I want to be in the center of the action while I'm working my way up to being a director. Um, right. I which, like that everyone goes to that person. Which used to be, I mean, maybe, I don't know how long ago, definitely in the 30s, that was a real thing. I mean, people like Hitchcock was an assistant director for a long time. I didn't time. even know that. Hitchcock was an AD. Really? Yeah, in England when he was young. I don't know how many films, but that was his credit, and then he got, oh, now it's your turn to direct. Um, it's a great training because you are next to the director, and I've got mm -hmm. to work with a lot of great directors, and you see how they do it, and you're privy yeah. to their thought process. Mm. Um, but you're also the onset producer, and so 
really? you're essentially seen as a logistical person is the problem. You, there, you right. get a little creative areas, but really you're seen as the guy who's the hammer or here. So you don't, you're using the wrong side of the brain as far as they're concerned. Um, right. So uh, there, there's a stigma in terms of converting, although a lot of ADs do become directors. I mean, um, yeah. if I cared more m about my craft, I'd probably reel off more examples of people <laughs> who made the jump, but I don't really care. <laughs> and so, so, um, and so, I think I thought of you, well, first off, because I knew you already, and second, because it's, it's just an interesting job not knowing anything about it, like, well, they must see a lot. I have another friend who is a boom operator, uh -huh. and by default, he will have the most insane stories, mm -hmm. not only because he's just there, but because he's actually listening to everybody's microphone or, or has the boom and can hear what people are saying when things are going down. Although I think that's one of those situations. Uh -huh. it, yeah, you do get to hear people, and occasionally they have sex in the trailer, or they go to the bathroom. Right. But the boom guy's uh, access to everything is kind of why I don't worry about personal security in the internet age. Right. Because 99% <laughs> of it is like, who gives a shit? Right. It's just blather. Because a lot of times I'll wear the, the micro, uh, headphones, mm -hmm. and they'll talk, and it's like, just yak, yak. I mean, let's be frank, actors just babble on. It's not, there's not necessarily a ton going on. And, it's not all their fault. They're just on set for 12 hours a day. But boy, I don't know how they keep their sanity boom people and sound people. Right. Just like <laughs> the blood just doesn't come out of their ears. Right. It's now, but and then, so is it mostly you've done TV and film? Yeah, right? I started in film, but I've done predominantly television for the last 10 years, 12 years. And do you find discerning attitudes between the two? Uh, you know, I do single camera television, which is very much like filming. It's mm -hmm. just like a five-day film shoot every week. So it's a very similar group of people. Um, it's a little more of a job mm -hmm. in TV. It's just, it's just so regular. So it's not like that, hey, who are you? You know, excitement at the beginning, and then, you know, then people start fucking, and then they hate each other, and then they're not talking, and then they have a rap party, and they don't remember any of that. There's less of that. Although it's the same rhythm every shoot, I find. Even on a two-day shoot, there's this right. same pattern of, it's so exciting to work with you. And then, oh my god, I don't know if I like you, then I can't stand you, then silence, <laughs> and then the denouement. It's and is that across the board, or are you just talking about actors and directors? It's the and well, that's, no, it's everyone. It's, it's crew. I mean, the actors, mm -hmm. either usually they stay friendly and in a good place, or they just get nastier and nastier. Uh, from a bad place. We had, um, th this is the part that we'd have to bleep. Right, sure. But like Arrested Development, which was the show I did from the pilot and three seasons, um, mm -hmm. you know, it was a terrific cast, but everyone definitely had their things going on. Um, working with again this year, uh, who has changed a lot from what I've heard in a, a lot of good ways. <laughs> I shouldn't even. We'll, we'll work on bleeping things. Yeah, I'm just trying to think of a way to s so you can get guess who it is material no yes. i'm just in, in a way that's let's, not let's say you're working with an actor that's older when it comes to the project you've been working to yeah let me think because uh, let's just say okay so there was an actress mm -hmm. i worked with on a television show okay older actress mm -hmm. uh that can get bad you know there's again actors actors um if they were nasty when they were younger mm -hmm. sometimes they can moderate later and they learn or they can just get far far worse so this one got worse uh -huh. and there was a point where all the other actors wanted to an intervention because this actress was so nasty to everyone like on a mean the crew. person intervention like like they wanted to sit down and say hey you can't talk to people you're you're mean to our crew all the actors wanted to do this now all the actors just hated her and really just wanted to get in a room and just tell her how much they hated her it wasn't really for their benefit I don't think it was more I was like that's not an intervention that's like, that's just a tri murder trial. That's, <laughs> that's, I don't know what that is. That's throwing stones at someone, and it's not going to help. They're going to freak out. Um, so we had to do an intervention to prevent the intervention, uh, me and the producer, because we just, right. they were coming to us for help, and we <laughs> said, no, we're not going to help you. We're not going to lock you all in a room and <laughs> see who comes out. And is that, is that an unusual occurrence, though? No, you know, that's the thing is, uh, as an assistant director, you actually do get a lot of people coming to you because they don't want to bring it to the director or the producer. Mm. And so you're the next best thing without escalating it to where now agents get called and managers get called and it's a real issue. Right. It's kind of like that 
you know, they can push for stuff. Can I get days off? Can I come in later? They know that I can help with that stuff without it becoming a major case. Mm -hmm, right. And and you'd want to help, but then there's you know people who uh, you know I've had actors who just they it, it, they were on a show, but it's like they never wanted to be on that show. Come sure. in late, come in early, and the excuse is like, well, I've you know I want to take care of my children and all, and I'm like I'm a father. Sometimes you got to bite the bullet. You're making five hundred you know yeah hundred grand an episode. The kids will wait. You know, you only work a couple of days a week. You know, you're not, you're not father of the year. Just relax. <laughs> One always has these excuses. Or um, Will Arnett, who, uh, it's funny, I really got to work with Will throughout Arrested Development. And, and when we started, it was like, he, you know, it's, it's a tough business TV. He didn't even know he was going to stay in it because he had a lot of pilots that came and mm -hmm. didn't go. And then I remember by the last episode, he was trying to get out early because he had a lot of stuff going on. And all of a sudden, it wasn't that same guy who... You know, oh, I need that big hit. Now he's like, yeah, I got to go out and clear my head. And Will's a great guy, but it's funny how people evolve over time. Mm -hmm. um, right. They both just, ways. Yeah, both ways. Uh, J Jason Bateman's a great guy who, because mm. he was famous earlier and then went through a time where he wasn't, he used to always say and still says, you know, you rent fame. You don't buy it. You rent it. And so he, I'm very happy he's having a career mm. resurgence because he, you know, he appreciates it. And I'm sure he was a bastard when he was younger. I can just tell. <laughs> well, but he was put, nothing yeah. but great, you know, this second time around. Yeah, so put into that situation at, any, at a, such a young age, it's got to be just psychotic. Oh, it's got to be. Yeah, and, I mean. And you it, dealt with, like, kids just not even under, like, 10, but under 18, te like true teenagers? Well, I, you know, I worked with Shia LaBeouf when he was on Even Stevens. So, and he was always very smart, gifted funny kid who would make jokes you're like I don't know how you're making references like that you're 15 uh -huh. um, but um, does it chalk up to really it, having does it get weird it gets parents? weird because you're well he had he had a crazy background I just read the story on him I mean he has a really and we knew I mean his, his parents were kind of wild mm -hmm. um, I didn't realize how wild but <laughs> in terms of heroin and the, but we knew there was stuff going on. And it's tough because they're working nonstop, then you send them to, I, I have to like make sure they get 20 minute blocks of education. Think about this, you gotta memorize lines as a 14 year old, and then it's like, okay, hold on, and good, we're done with acting, now go learn something for 20 minutes, and then come back and we're on a new scene and know those lines. What? <laughs> who the fuck? What did, who's the guy who did shock therapy in uh, Berkeley? You know I mean? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Stanford prison, I mean, who's designing this as education? How do you learn like that? And how do you keep saying and you can't? Meanwhile, no. making a good ton of money. Yeah, you're making, yeah. Plus you have that. And I remember when like people first started seeing him and, mm -hmm. and being excited, like we were at a school filming and all of a sudden it was the first time the cast, because the show's out now, got all attention. Right. You see it on their faces like, oh my God, what's this about? Right. That whole ride. And it's a, it's a weird trip. Fame sucks. <laughs> Generally, I don't know why people want it. It's just, you know, we can make this we can make this easy. It's you've worked on so much that when you're talking about someone bad, there's no possible way we could figure out who that is. Well, that's true. But you can say the good names. Yeah. Was there somebody that handled fame well? Like you said, Jason Bateman. But is there anybody else particularly? Is there a ratio of good to bad? I mean, um, eighteen. You know, years. what's here's what's great. Tele television comedy, you get mostly good good eggs because the set has to be kind of upbeat. You move into a lot of material. I mean, you don't get assholes. Drama is where you get the real douchebags because- Like, eh, like drama versus a comedy show. Oh drama. yeah, yeah, on TV, you know, yeah. that's where you get- Because um, it's usually the comedians that are more extreme and not happy. They can be, but you know, if they're gonna be regular on a TV show, they just gotta, you know, Known for be di being difficult, don't think you gotta have. It's like he works in an ice box, and you get like five minutes with him, and that's it. But the guy's brilliant, and he comes in and he hits, and he's pro, and mm -hmm. you know, deal with it. It's ice box? You mean he's got air conditioning on? It's super cold, like it's super cold. And I've worked on some sets where uh -huh. one actor likes it super cold, uh -huh. and is the lead, and everyone else is like likes it warmer, and so it's this constant like the air conditioner is up down up down. Do they leave? Are they here? Do they leave? <laughs> Everyone's getting the bends from temperature swings and melting and hot and food spoils and wow dies. Um, yeah. Like you get people like dramas where he's supposedly just a maniac. You I've just don't that. get that in comedy. But 
when I do dramas, plus everyone's dying all the time. It's always a dead body, and so it's like, quiet on set, shh, shh, this is very important, this scene. Someone's dying, or someone just got raped, or someone's missing, shh, very important drama. You know, and it's like, on comedy, it's like, hey, you know? David Cross is painted as a blue man, very <laughs> quiet. You know, what? He's a giant Smurf. Actually, funny thing, David, uh, for mm -hmm. the Arrested Development fans, he got dressed as a blue man a couple times in some of the episodes, and um, it, was a, it was great to work with him. I was a huge, huge Mr. Show fan, but one of my lowlights was I, I didn't time the day correctly, I guess, or we just probably fell behind, and he came in, and he was painted head to toe blue, and he starts screaming at me for having him wait, and it's just so hard not to laugh <laughs> at a blue guy just who you admire. Really pissed off. Who I admire. I'm like disappointed, <laughs> but aroused. I don't know what's going on. It's very weird to have that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. And then is there more extreme situations on a film set then? Because you've got days and budgets Yeah, to hit? film sets. I mean, you want to talk bad. I mean, the worst ever was I, I worked at Roger Corman's B-Movie Factory to start out uh, Concord Pictures in Venice. And what was great was it was like million dollar movies, go four weeks, start Monday, four weeks later, wrap Friday, start Monday on a new one, usually the same genre, <laughs> because he'd reuse the wardrobe and the sets and sometimes the same people. Right. So I did a bunch of space movies, a bunch of westerns, but he had decent actors. He had mm -hmm. uh, Martin Sheen and Beverly D'Angelo and uh, Joe Mantegna, and I got to work with some wow. decent people, but also some people who were like a little shaky at that time. I was definitely dealing with some issues he was drinking, and guy was dressed like a dinosaur, he had like a rubber suit. And you know, they got to take breaks. It's hot in those rubber suits. These aren't right. Stan Winston rubber suits. These are, you know, <laughs> someone ran to Target and stapled an alligator head onto an outfit or something. And uh, so he started freaking out and like charged at the other AD and just ran out and drove away, which, nice. you know, he had been probably drinking and drove up to Topanga or something. There's always weird things. We had mm -hmm. one guy who, uh, who was supposedly off heroin, but he sure seemed on heroin to me. The only way you could get him to move out of makeup back to his room was to make a tapping noise with a pen on your watch, which would disturb him and drive him kind of really? onwards to his room. You had to like literally, it was like what, shepherding cats. <laughs> so. How did you find out that was the trick? It, I, someone else just found it out. It was one of those things like they were probably like just getting impatient, hit it, and he reacted. And, oh, yeah. And that was our Rosetta Stone to move him. <laughs> Have you been, how often did you get uh, physically attacked by actors? Um, no, a sound guy choked me because I called rolling right in his mic. Uh, so he almost choked me out. So he came over to do that with his own no, hands? No, he was pretty close. He just leaped out of his, his little sound bench and almost choked me. Um, no, I had one guy who said he was going to kick my fucking ass. That was a... Uh, Great actor. <laughs> he, was, he was one of those guys. You know, you get yeah. a guy in a B-movie, and he's the lead, and it's a weird place, and they become... Mm -hmm. They can become tyrants, depending on who they are, and he went that way. And he was just... He was going to kick Awful. Didn't want to rehearse. But if you got something wrong... Right. Shooting, he'd get upset, but how can you know what he's going to do, which you can't. Right. Uh, yeah. But then uh, you can't have a director or producer sort of wrangle people either. I mean, if somebody, if an actor is making a film exist, then you just got to roll with it, right? Well, that's, yeah. Well, that was the problem then, too, is, you know, Roger Corman's not around. Mm -hmm. and so, and the producers really... They just delegated it out. It was good for me as an AD because I had to basically, again, just produce it there. Because, I mean, right. once I had a production manager, the police told us to shut down. I guess we were shooting all night. Uh -huh. Three company moves and a stunt and no permit past 10 o'clock. I didn't <laughs> know this on the AD. I'm supposed to have the permits on hand. Right. The production manager is literally hiding around the corner. He had been told to shut down and just decided to sleep in his car or something. So then the cops show up and almost arrested me. They've put like handcuffs on me. Um, that's just one of those things you just deal with. You just have to get the day done because no one's there to help you. No one's going to bail you out. You can't go, oh, we didn't make it happen like you can on bigger movies. It's just, no, we, that's what it is, or we'll find another kid <laughs> right out of college and he'll do it. Right. Or not. <laughs> so, which is what show business anyway. I mean, there's always a younger model yep. coming. You got to keep hustling and you know, keep on edge. How have you done it for so long? 
I, I mean, that's never mind your sanity, I guess, physically. Yeah, you know, fortunately, it gets a little easier after you make connections. Around 30, 31, if you haven't been driven out of the business, mm. um, then it gets a little easier. You get a little consistency in the inconsistency. But, um, <coughs> but you got to be, I, I'm very zen-like at this point because mm-hmm. um, I've seen word. such crazy shit. Right. So now at this point, you know, well, I, I, bur- I burned down a house when I did my own first feature. Um, um, not so on purpose. Not on purpose. So after that, after burning down my neighbor's house and causing a quarter million dollars of damage on a shoot with a video camera and two lights <laughs> in the first week of my shoot, um, thinking I bankrupted my family. After that, <laughs> kind of your cherries busted. So what, was it, it was for one of your own films? Yeah, it was a feature uh, called The Golden Age of Pleasure, which is not viewable anywhere. Um, but <laughs> I, I, I haven't, you haven't told me about that. I haven't heard of that. Yeah, no, you haven't. It was it was fine. So uh, it was an experience. It's a great way to learn how to spend a lot of money and then slowly pay it back with huge interest, <laughs> which is the best way to build good credit, by the way. How old were you when the house burned? That was 27. Okay. Yeah. And that, uh, how does that not just destroy you? Let's turn it into a positive. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, you just. I mean, uh, why don't you like learn about the importance of insurance, which I had. Oh, interesting. Um, you know, what the, the best thing that I learned out of that, which I actually didn't take advantage of, was the neighbors who I'd known for 15 years. You don't get a permit when you're shooting in your neighbor's house with a video camera. Um, and the house is... And they weren't there. They just said, they right. left for the day and said, just don't schmutz up the dining room table. And then I left for a minute. I came back. There was pillows on fire. It was a bad circuit. Um, so. And the house actually went down? Well, no, there was a hole in the roof, a quarter million dollars in damage, smoke, in, smoke damage. Uh, there was a, right. uh, it was like a Barry Bonds rookie card that got burned oh, up in the on. damage. Yeah, seriously. It was, it was in the kid's room we were shooting. <laughs> but uh, they came to my wedding, the people who owned the house. After their kids. Uh, yeah, several years good, later, good. and good. they had gotten the insurance claim for it. So their house was worth much, much more because of the work done. Yeah. So they actually said, you know, I grew up in Jersey, and they said, you know, we have a lot of other people who'd like you to film in their houses as well. <laughs> but I never took advantage of that. Amazing. Yeah. So, what, so how could you top that? What happens after that? Well, yeah, that's, that was the worst accident I ever had on any set. Right. Um, Have never, you seen people hurt? I, no, I mean, I, well, hold on. Have you done a stunt movie? I've done uh, lots of movies with stunts where it gets dicey. Mm-hmm. Um, like I did a futuristic movie where the stunt guy was driving a kit car, which is like sort of a fake car, but with like a little real motor and he kind of smashed into a wall because he, he was driving too fast in like the LA river or something and just went <laughs> zoom and that was kind of weird. But you um, didn't get hurt? No. Or maybe I'm not, <laughs> maybe I don't remember it. <laughs> um, do you, who else? Sunny, no, I, I mean, I've been pretty lucky. There's yeah. been close calls. Um, and that's why I don't do low budget movies anymore is because you just don't have the right resources to protect everyone. And then mm-hmm. as an assistant director, you can end up getting sued for. Really? For, uh, yeah, you're, you're, you know, you look at the uh, Twilight Zone movie. It's, you sure. know, that's, that's the AD's fault too. And they, they yep. make pains now to loop everyone in in terms of uh, responsibility. It's really sure. sucks. Yeah, yeah. So if like a stunt guy says, no, totally safe. I've got years of experience. You check it out. He talks you through it, and then something happens. You're still on the hook. It's just right. it's awful. Yeah. <clears throat> so, but then if if um, so then if you have a choice, and do you have a choice then? What's that? To actually not work with a certain type of genre. Are you the point? Because well, I, yeah. I have I have heard that you are the two go to guy. Of course, it's our common friend saying that, but you are the two go to assistant director in town. Well, I uh, well, I'm I'm the main man if you want comedy in Africa. <laughs> That's for sure, because I was in Africa twice last year. Really? Yeah. So I pretty much that continent's it's locked good. up. Yeah, yeah. Until about 2014. <laughs> right. There, unfortunately, there are no comedies ha- coming out of Africa. Right. Um, they have some cuckoo dramas going on, but uh, right. <coughs> yeah, no, I do I do a lot of TV comedy. I'm mm-hmm. working this year on a show called Happy Endings for a few episodes, and mm-hmm. then. Um, a new show called Bent. So fortunately, I have that, and I, of course, cr- created an executive producer show for Comedy Central. Uh, so, mm-hmm. so I, I, I feel pretty good in TV comedy at this point. I know most of the people, right. and I'm happy doing that. So, 
from the outside looking in, mm-hmm. and of course, you know, I mean, the, the people that we deal with at film festivals, the writer is the director, really is the guy who, if the film is good, most of the time, if it's a tiny enough film, it's because this guy is really making it work. It's like a crew of 10, maybe right. a DP is good, but usually it's a director is good and the film is good because there's such little influence. Mm-hmm. But do you really see, like in TV especially, is it there's sort of fighting influences? Like, or like will a director fade off and someone else will pick it up? Well, directors are, you know, with the exception of pilots, mm-hmm. director, it, television is much more a writer's medium. Directors really have a lot less impact, and um, you know, early in a show, they can set sort of a template. Mm-hmm. But um, what happens is the actors know their characters, the cinematographer knows the sets and how to shoot the sets. The writers are looking out for consistency mm-hmm. and performance things along with the director, and then you have the crew kind of as a machine. So uh, a lot of times, it's a lot more technical position. Mm-hmm. It's really literally getting the coverage that they can edit the show in later. And, and, you know, enhancing it as much as they can. But it's, it's um, you know, I worked on The Office, which is a very funny show, mm-hmm. um, and with some terrific directors, but it's such a non-director's thing. Uh, they, they, of course, it's a job, but, uh, I mean, right. it's, it's not, uh, you, you know, go ahead, show me, point out that episode versus that episode, tell me the, which director <laughs> did which, you know? Right. It's very, it's almost impossible so to do. <coughs> what, do they, they have control over camera moves even? Not, I mean, that's They very do, but I mean, you know, they're not going to, you can't on a show that's handheld all of a sudden say we're going to do a huge yeah. dolly move. You just can't. Yeah. I mean, in fact, I've, like on Arrested Development, we came up with a dogma document, me and the DP, to sort of help <laughs> directors come in. You know, this is the way we do it, and this is appropriate, and this is not appropriate, or this is where we feel comfortable. Not just us, I mean, in, in concert with the writers, but I mean, you, you have sort of a little playbook of what you do. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't. We're not the show that that takes off the back of the refrigerator and shoots through it. Or we are. That's a very like right. shows either do that or you don't do that. It's not like <laughs> ah, let's try it. You know, right. it's a definite uh, method. So, and that can be frustrating for directors. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yet this system has is keeping so many directors alive. Commercials and TV. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and you know they can. It's just funny though. It's it's more movies are where they get a chance to really spread their wings. Right. Yeah. Who else has attacked you physically? <laughs> well, I don't know why that line of questioning is of particular interest to you. I, Only because I heard one, and you haven't you haven't told that story yet. No, Gerard. All of, oh, Dip, oh, all you know what's funny, Gerard? Yeah, Gerard Depardieu. I thought. Oh, yeah, Depardieu. Yeah, sure, I'm sorry, sure. Depardieu. I, I, I'm like a, I'm like a French bastard. Right. If you do not say it exactly, I will not even know what you're saying. Oh, 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 fromage, fromage. Yes, of course, he's the cheese. Um, yeah, Gerard Depardieu. When I was working on Unhook the Stars, mm-hmm. Nick Cassavetes' first movie, and um, back then I was single, and I was on location in Salt Lake City, and it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had his niece working. Uh, she was the daughter of the producer, and a very beautiful French girl. And we uh, fooled around, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, did it young. work out? Did it not work out? I don't know. There was an extra who's dressed like a nurse. Let's just say I'm not so proud to say that that doesn't impact me. I'm a man, okay? Right. You were young. Sexy nurse. <laughs> Come on. In so uh, so things, so I went in another direction, and I told her that. I was up front, but, it, you know, she got upset, and she told her uh, godfather, Gerard Depardieu, which I didn't know they were linked that way, and he literally took me aside and said, uh, Ross, why do you make the doe eyes at this girl and then break her heart? But he was just joking. He, uh, oh. he was just kidding around. Uh, the French producers actually threatened to not bring me to San Francisco for the final week of shooting, Wow. Uh, they put me on and said that they couldn't because of my behavior, which I really believed, but that was also a joke because the uh. French don't give a shit about that stuff at all. <laughs> uh, so um, it all worked out. So it all worked out. That's and right. so I learned that cheating works. <laughs> right. <So laughs> and um, so <laughs> that's what I did for many shows. <laughs> no, look, it's just, you know, it's dirty business. All right. Have uh, you been fired? No, I've, uh, well, have I been fired? I've quit a couple times. Um, Due to conditions? One time, there was a movie called Nowhere Land. It was a direct-to-video thing. And it was one of these things. My father was getting bypass surgery. Mm -hmm. 
and it was a really tough film, and I, director and the DP wasn't really listening to me at all. I'm, I'm, I'm the kind of guy, like, I'm not there just to call roll sound and then cut after the director says cut. I'm not just like that little echo monkey. That's part of our job, but that's not like a good use of my resources. You can get anybody. I like to strategically think of how to efficiently do things and how to enhance things and how to bring value to what we're doing. And this just was not one of those shows. Um, because we weren't communicating well, and part of that's on me, like, I've wrapped people too early. I remember on that show, mm. we had to get, like, gunshots exploding on a door, and I, we, I wrapped the effects guy. <laughs> so, whoops. Okay, so that's bad. Yeah. So I ended up leaving early on that show. I was on The Closer. I also quit that show because the DP and I didn't see eye to eye. Uh, there was no trust issues there, uh, which was very frustrating. And then that bled over to the actors, and then an actor yelled at me in the middle of set, and I said, I don't need to be part of this. And I quit before I would have inevitably been fired. Right. But those are fortunately two <laughs> exceptions. Um, yeah, that's pretty good. Do people usually get fired? Yeah, no, and I've had to fire a lot of people. And I'm very good at it, actually. What do you um, do? Yeah, no, the, the, here's the key. I learned this from my father. Uh, and it's never fun, but there's a way to do it. Don't delay it. People mm. can sense that something's wrong. Just say, I'm going to have to let you go or fire you. Just tell them straight away and then explain to them all the good things that they did. Mm. After you fire them. After you fired them. Mm -hmm. But just make it clear, that's, that's, that's happening. But I want you to know that this, 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 and these things didn't work out, and that's just how it is, and I wish you the best. So that's Ross Novi's tips on firing people. Has any? Which unfortunately, uh, fortunately, I've, I've, or unfortunately, <laughs> I've fired more people than been fired. Yeah. Um, but you know, part of that is also I'm big on responsibility. I like if something goes wrong, just say I fucked up because I have. I used to get freaked out because. Hold on, let me back up. I was a terrible waiter. And the reason I was a terrible waiter mm -hmm. was because I didn't know a lot. Like, I didn't know that you don't chill red wine, and I thought you put lemon in iced coffee. I just didn't know. Sure. But more than that, I expected every day would be perfect, Oof. and it never was. Yep. And so I, I just, it was nightmare. Uh, I was that way as an AD for the first few years, and it would, I would just go crazy, and I would scream a lot, because there, it never is a perfect day. And then you reach a point where you go, you know what, I'm going to have a really good day and I'm going to get 75% or 80% or 90% of this right. Um, and that's what you need to do, is just cop to when you screw up. Um, I remember screw up. Mm -hmm. uh, I thought we were done looking at a wide group of people. I have to wrap extras to get them off the clock to stop paying overtime if we're not seeing them anymore. And you can be too hasty. And I used to n not have a habit of checking with the director. So when he turned around for a POV shot of a hero of the bar, for me, POV shot at that point meant a narrow, like as if you're looking through a POV periscope. <laughs> so I had like three people left, but it was a whole bar and Oof. they were all gone. So that's bad. Yes. I've done that stuff where you wrap someone or inevitably, I remember in Arrested Development, we moved quicker than I thought and I had to call Henry Winkler who was in Burbank and see if he could get to Fox in 20 minutes because <laughs> you don't want to be waiting for people. Um, so there's, yeah, yeah, tons of mistakes. I've heard very nice things about Winkler, though. He's the best. No, yep. he's, he's the nicest guy. I mean, he's the kind of guy you can call. Yeah. You know, he wouldn't come, you know, from lunch across the street, you know, but, but the Fonz would come. No, he's the greatest. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you try and just be upfront with people, because you're going to get nailed all the time, so mm -hmm. it's how you handle it more than mm -hmm. screwing up. Kid time, you can run out of kid time if you don't schedule kids right. Just working with a kid seems so freaky. Oh, God. Did you do a lot of Nickelodeon stuff? I did uh, the three years on Disney Channel. Um, Oof. I've been lucky enough not to have to do that again. Right. Um, I guess you know I you're just, I'm selling a show. We're, we're waiting to hear about a show for Disney, mm -hmm. which would be tough, but at least it's mine. Um, but, I, you know, kids are tough. I remember on a, another Nick Cassavetes on another Nick Cassavetes movie, She's So Lovely, there was a little girl who she was crying. She wasn't, I mean, she was five. She didn't know what she was doing. Yeah. And at a certain point, they decided to replace her. In the movie, like. In the movie, yeah. yeah. And we were just, you know, four days into shooting her. And the mom, I remember the mom leaving set, and John Travolta was in it, and Sean Penn and all this, and she was screaming at the kid, you blew it! 
That was your big chance, and you blew it. <laughs> I'm like, wow. Jesus. That, kid, that is dark. Yeah. Yeah. When kids aren't, they're not acting. They're kids playing. Yeah. I mean, you'll see some kids who are naturals. Like, sure. you go, okay, they A handful. Belong. But a lot of them, a lot of kids are just mostly there. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever happened to the kid actor? Well, he became an adult, and he's hopefully a normal person now because he was just a kid, and the parent took him to a set, you know? Most kid actors don't become adult actors. No. No, it's hard to transition. Yeah. It's and really hard. a lot hard. of them shouldn't. That's okay. Yeah. No, I mean, why, yeah. why if you're good at... You know, cooking a pasta, am I, you know, giving you a veal to fry? Exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> yes, that's, that's, that's an old phrase from the, from the Polish <laughs> country land. Um, how, have you found, how have you found it overcoming to become um, a writer, director? I mean, is that the, or, well, you're, you're trying to, cre you've created shows. Yeah. Is it yeah. more of a. And it's, but it's, I, mean, I direct. Writer, and, producer, creator. And write and direct and yeah, produce. Yeah. It's all. Just extra things to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just getting it made. I'm not one of those guys who enjoys seeing his name 15 times on the, yeah. on the, on the placard. To me, that's like I'd rather delegate all of that out as possible and sure. just be director. Sure. And executive producer is fine. But, um, so do you have to overcome a little bit, or is it just that you get an agent that's like, look, this guy is creating this show. Never mind this other job that he has. No, I mean, the ADing, it, it doesn't help as much as I'd like. It doesn't hurt that much it's yeah. just hard to sell shows no matter who you thing. are who men no, no yeah. matter who you are yeah so it just it's at least i know a lot of the people and i can pair up with people who can strategically help i mean that's a big help is i was able to mm -hmm. get managers and agents but that's again from work on the internet and other things too you know no one wants to represent you. it's like banks they don't lend money to people who need money <laughs> lend money to people who have money and it's the same with managers and agents they just write down the deals for people who are getting work. They're not going to make your career. It's the biggest misconception, I think, probably people who don't have those things. They, they think, oh, I get an agent, I'm good. First of all, yep. I've had a couple agents. They've never done anything, and that's not even that they're bad agents. They just, that's not their job. Mm -hmm. If you have heat going on, great. They can field some offers, but you really don't need them then anyway. It's more like they have... It's not, it's not, I guess the, the, the idea would be, oh, well, you're a powerful person at CAA, so people are coming to you with great projects, and you have a director, and you have an actor, and you're this amazing connector. Yeah, yeah, you're a connector, or you're just a rep. I mean, a lot of times it's really deal-making, mm -hmm. you know? So, or if they, they know another project in their world that they can maybe combine you with. But, right. But so, did you feel it was luck or timing that you did get a show to go for one season? It's uh, well, luck is too capricious, but it's just about that. Mm. <laughs> it's as close to that as, um, you know. If you're not one of like 10 people that really have true incredible power. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, you're Dick Wolf and you have a cop show. You're going to get it probably on the air, and there's a number of people like that, but um, for everyone else, it's a scramble, and then even in networks, I mean, they might have a good idea of a show that they defend, and then they go to their parent company, and there's other larger reasons why they do mm -hmm. or don't. There's timing issues. It's, it's ridiculous, and it's all for a very small piece of real estate, which is primetime television. The fact is, <coughs> most of the television times, infomercials and, and yes. reruns, but everyone fights for this little Thing and I don't even watch live TV anyway, so who the hell knows? <coughs> Makes no sense. Well, and there's incredible money if you've made a show and then it gets shown again and it shows. Yeah, shown the key again. is crazy. Uh, I can tell you, there's no money in selling a show for cable for one season. Mm -hmm. That's there's no <coughs> the the gold truck doesn't pack up on that. You need uh, multiple shows and or syndication, right? And then you get money. <coughs> and then it's just checks coming. Yeah, I mean, I get residual checks, but my residual mm -hmm. checks as an assistant director. A hot dog? Yeah, a hot dog. Uh, you know, maybe a couple of hot dogs, maybe a barbecue. Um, but, you know, on big movies, ADs can actually, assistant directors can make a lot of movie on, a lot of residual monies on big movies. Oh, really? But, you know, if you're writing and directing and, or acting on... Like, I have a buddy who's in trans... My, one of the stars of Secret Girlfriend, Derek Miller, mm -hmm. <clears throat> he was in Transformers 3, went to see it, and saw himself. That's a big check. Like, that's nice. 
Yeah. He's only in a couple of scenes. But he had dialogue too. But he, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. No. So that's like nice. Like you know you made a. <laughs> that's a good thing. Right. It's a nice sandwich. So. <clears throat> and then with uh, so with TV, do you feel like you still have to scrap them? Yeah, it's a scrap, but at least yep. it's you're in the game. You know, right now I can I can now, pitch anybody. One, one show. Um, yeah, Secret Girlfriend. That being on, at least people will talk to you after that. Like I did a show. It's, it's it was well, on you're, the air. you're talking to me. Yeah, right. That's not that's not good. That's that's yeah. That's more. So uh, you tell me. You tell me, Mike. How are we doing? It, a lot of people he's, came to I'm see I'm talking to Mike Plant. We've got plastic on the microphones because he's returning them after the interview. So right. yeah, my career is doing fantastic. <laughs> we showed a short at Cine Vegas. Many people came. No, that was great. That yeah. was that. You know, those things are are really big and. Those are big steps to our, uh, to me and my writing partner's career. You know? is, is it true that people will just get into, you just get so, whether you're making a lot of money or a little money, like you're just so used to working that you, uh, many people do forget their creative pursuits that they went into the business with? Yeah, no, it takes constant uh, recalibrating. I mean, I, I mentioned mm. to you earlier that I just finished shooting last weekend, and that's just, was just a war with myself just to, you know, if you want to direct or write or produce, you got to so do it. I mean, there's no reason to be not doing it, and that's what leads to things inevitably and what's enjoyable. Um, that one of the good things I love about ading too is, <coughs> for a lot of my web series, I had a, a great arsenal of costumers and prop people <laughs> who would help lend me stuff. Yeah, it's expensive to get a gun if you're coming off the street to get a prop gun. I have location people who help, and I know those resources, which allows me to do things for a lot cheaper mm. and look good. Um, or, you know, favors from sound guys and stuff. Um, but yeah, no, it's absolutely, people forget. Yeah. I, I know a lot of people, oh, I, I'd love to be a writer. It's, what, do you, what does that mean? I didn't just do that. You're a writer, congratulations. Do you want to be famous? I was watching Toddlers and Tiaras. Everyone wants to be famous on that show. Yeah. I don't know why, there's no, there's so little joy in being famous unless you're a total narcissist. Right. You know, what you want to be is like a writer famous. The kind of like enough, you can get a table at any restaurant, but no one really bothers you when you're eating. Like, right. that's what you want. Um, right. You can make respected. a call and use your name. Yeah, yeah. But you, not, know? but you could walk in by yourself. I saw the, and I mean, mostly at Sundance, we're pretty removed being a programmer, being a tech guy, anything from gigantic stars. Mm -hmm. Brad Pitt's somewhere else he's on the red carpet he's watching the movie he's gone that's it right uh in vegas we got to walk people around a little bit more and we there was definitely this insane jump between we dennis hopper helped us we could walk around people would yell lines at him nobody really bothered him though he could mostly go wherever right. he was older maybe people didn't recognize him as much but when we were somebody one time I was walking around with robin williams and Humanity. You look like Robin Williams too. I know, I know. That's funny. <clears throat> and that one was weird walking yeah. around. Very nice man though. Very accommodating to the people who would come up and grab him because I that's need to terrible. have a photo with you. See, that's just it's weird. And he was uh, he was good with it. Yeah, he totally. And this is a clean, recent version of him. Very accommodating. Somebody gave him their infant right out of to the keep. womb. It's a key. That is accommodating. I love your he film so much. No. <laughs> and he's raised him <laughs> and uh, just put him in a bag. And he gave him, to his, bag. gave him to his AD. No, he went up and he's like, oh, can you take a photo of my baby? And he's like, of course. You know? Of course. And like, you know, we're in the middle of a casino, also uncomfortable and nowhere to hide. Hold him up. Somebody takes a photo, gives the baby back, makes a little joke. Everybody's happy. The woman just grabs the baby and doesn't really even talk to Robin anymore. Says, that was your first celebrity. And that was, you know, okay, Robin hadn't heard that before. You know, the rest of us were just like, what the, like, what is going on? Yeah. Have you found anybody that's actually comfortable with fame? Even uh, though you're with in Danny a little... DeVito is fantastic uh, with people. I mean, to almost a fault when you're filming with him, because we'll be on the streets of Philadelphia, and he'll, like, go up to every guy, you know. Really? There's a homeless guy, there's a, there's a male person, there's the policeman, and he'll just wave, and, you know, it's not like... You see Danny DeVito, it's Danny DeVito. There's no yeah. question. Oh, is that? I'm not sure. No, that's him. Um, so he's uh, really fantastic about it. 
That's nice. Um, it is nice. Although I really, I almost feel bad for the performers who say, well, I'm just not going to sign autographs and they get a bad rap because I, I really get that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it, there's something so sick about it because really, like, you just want to say you interacted with the person. There's nothing, it's such a weird, right. fucked up thing. I, I'm not to say, like, oh, I'm above it. I would never stare or look. Or, but there's certainly working in the business, you learn a little bit of space. Like, just who cares? Like, what, is, what are you going to get out of it? You know? Go over, go over if you have a real connection with the person. But if you don't, like, leave them alone. What is right. the. Yeah, signing something is strange. Signing? What? A, a, a thing on a piece of paper. My wife used to work for Giselle Fernandez on Access Hollywood. Believe me, she signed the autographs. And you know what every assistant does. Yeah. So great. Does it matter? Is it more important? Less? Who gives a shit? What are we talking right. about? We're signing a piece of paper with a pen? It's not like they're blood. I'd give you that. If it's blood. Blood, blood kind of cool. Yeah. Blood, yeah. But that's the thing. People are like selling that stuff. They're just like selling it. And to who? And to it. why? And to when? And how to even work eBay? And how do I can't sell anything? And aren't, are people using Craigslist more? These are all questions I don't know. And is it hot merchandise? Is it gray market? Yeah. What's the difference between black market and gray market? Can I get hey. prosecuted? <laughs> do you see people? Do you know of people? How how do tabloids find all those stories? Somebody on the crew is actually selling that stuff. I don't Maids? think so. You know, you can look Assistants? on uh, location permits, uh-huh. usually with cities, and see what's filming where. Uh-huh. And you mean um, like as a public person? Yeah, you have to register publicly. So if you know mm. someone's on a show, you can look up. You know what location manager put in. I've been on a lot of shoots where there's, you know, the photographers and. The, mm-hmm. It's just hard because, I mean, if you're in a public place, I mean, what are you going to do? Mm. But what about, what about those inside stories? Like, Yeah, I don't know. Um, you, know, know you, haven't, you haven't seen that around? Like somebody. I, no, not really. I mean, that's really... Yeah. Uh, television are lower stakes. I suppose on films it's a bigger thing, but mm-hmm. it's, it's pretty lousy etiquette. I can't imagine crew people do that. Yeah. I guess someone does at some point, but it's weird. It's just... Right. Plus, most crew people don't give a shit, really. <laughs> yeah, right. Again, you're like, you, what's interesting is I've gotten to meet and work with some really fantastic people and, and even heroes. And, you know, hey, John Travolta, and you meet with him, and then a f- few minutes later, it's, it's John Travolta. And it's just like, it's a guy who just won't come to set, or, you know, <laughs> there's other things going on. Right. It's just interesting how it changes very quickly. You get demystified very quickly. Right. I saw a, uh, Big star at a strip club the other day. Oh, yeah. And doesn't matter why I was there. No. Researching <laughs> new show. But uh-huh. he was there, and apparently he was a regular there. And that was a sure. weird thing. That was just a weird moment. Because it was, mm-hmm. I didn't see him, and then I was introduced to him. His agent was there with him. And the agent knew you? No. How he, did, or how was the connection there made? <laughs> he was, through a mutual friend, knew the agent. I, I can't go into details. Sure. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but it was weird because it was literally one of those I turn around and there's this star and I'm like and you know it's that awkward moment anyway when stars have to introduce themselves right you know hi I'm Phil it's like yeah right. I know you're Phil <laughs> you know? but you have to say it otherwise what are you gonna say I'm me you know it's always weird um, I, I've worked a bunch with Fred Savage and yeah you know he has to say I'm Fred Savage and everyone's like I know and it's just, but he has to say it he right. has to say it my wife who I met on. She's mm-hmm. so lovely. She got trapped in an elevator. He asked like her to physically? take her clothes off. Because it got, it got, the, the elevator stopped, and right. he asked her to take her clothes off. I'm sure he was just joking, and I'm sure she didn't. So it's all cool. <laughs> no, why would He's not that charismatic. Would. Right. Um, <laughs> nope, or, nor good looking. Not at all. That's good. Our directors, have you found directors are uh, more often involved in a good way? Yeah, no, I mean, they don't, they're not usually the problem, the directors, because yeah. it's their ass on the line, and it's such a hungry they, position. They do care. Yeah, and I've never been in, like, a position where I work with a director who's just totally out of it at this point. Producers, you know, I've had some screamers mm-hmm. who li- visibly shake if you're, like, going over time. I would just scream with spittle, and <laughs> some of them who, like, if you brought them information at the wrong time, they'll just... Just absolutely go ballistic. So you learn, like, all right, this guy's good in the morning mm. when he's fresh. He right. has more patience. Or some people wait until later until he doesn't give a shit anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Um, 
Do you have a favorite yell when you're telling somebody they're fucking? I don't. Up? Okay, I don't yell. I used to yell. Uh -huh. uh, the the way you're supposed to do it, according to Dale Carnegie, <laughs> and which I subscribes to, is you yell uh, only positive things. You you publicly. Uh, approve of people, and if I have a problem with someone, I take them to the side. Oh, That's sure. how I do it. So are you yelling at someone, that was amazing, yeah. you are so talented. Yes, I do. Great job, everyone! <laughs> Which, but, you, you know, I used, to, I used to think if you isolated someone and said, um, you know, okay, waiting on sound, like, <laughs> but then they're, like, sweating, and the guy's getting on a ladder with an 80-foot pole, he's like, well, fuck you. <laughs> I hate you. I hate you. And, you know, People said you were the most hated guy on set, so I learned. I changed my uh, mm -hmm. my rhythm. You know, it's funny talking about managers and agents are very much pit bulls. Mm -hmm. I did a, a public service announcement thing for the census. It was with Rosario Dawson, and we had Wilmer Valderrama and her and um, Anna Ortiz and a bunch of just uh, who else was it? Demi Lovato. A bunch of people came and. We had mm -hmm. Luis Guzman come yes. from Vermont. So, mm -hmm. and it was just a low budget thing at Wilmer's house, just let them talking about the census, how it's discriminating, or how people think it discriminates, but really it's good for Hispanics, blah, blah. He's coming. I requested through his representation look, can he just bring, it's just a, like a night, it's supposed to be a party scene. Just have him wear what he'd wear to a party. We don't have a wardrobe department. Just wear, right. just bring, pack something. Yeah. So he took off already, I guess, from Vermont, and his manager gets back and goes, he doesn't have an outfit, he didn't bring an outfit, he does, I don't know what you're talking about, you're calling too late, you're asking my client to bring his own wardrobe, I'm gonna tell you what, you've gotta get his stuff for him, that's the way it works, when he lands, if you don't have stuff, I'm gonna tell him to get back on the plane and fly back to Vermont. And, you know, I wanna say, you crazy motherfucker, He's not getting paid. It's for it's like a nonprofit. You know, what are you talking about? You're playing a hardball. I don't understand where you're even going with this. What are you hoping to extract? Fine, I'll go get a pair of pants. It's a big fucking deal. I'm gonna go to Ross and get him a pair of pants. And of course he had that stuff anyway. So it was moot. He was just playing pitball. And that stuff happens all the time. Yeah. You gotta get through the agent and manager who's being the bad guy for the client. So, that, you know, the actor can be like, oh, really? I didn't, I didn't know I asked for a trailer the size of a 747. Really? <laughs> I didn't know I needed that. Is it, yeah, trailer envy, that's real? Yeah, trailers are big. You know, where you're on the call sheet's real. I mean, if, mm. you know, the number one person, if they want, you know, the stage cold, <laughs> and they come in later, if possible, and you get them out earlier, or if they don't have to work that day. I mean, Steve Carell, who was fantastic, a pro, not a bad thing to say about him, you know, you get him off a day a week. It's, it's you know, I don't even know if it was a courtesy or just requested or what, but you just, you just do that. Right. Because that's important on, that, on the office. <coughs> yeah, somebody that's... That's a funny show. That's mm -hmm. a show that, you know, started out, Steve Carell was the kind of only name and even he wasn't that big. Right. Uh, and then by the time I was there, and now, you know, it's like a room full of movie stars. So it used to be everyone was the background of every shot. Right. Now, what you do with the directors, you walk around, and the question the AD asks is, so who are we not seeing? Because they're going to ask mm. me as soon as we see the scene. <coughs> so uh. if you're not seeing Jenna, or you're not seeing John Krasinski, or not seeing Rain, let me know now, because <laughs> they're going to do other stuff. You right. know? They're going to make a movie. They're going to make a movie. Or Ed Helms, who has made more right. money than any of those other guys, I think. And the rest of the group in there, they know they're, they're sort of the, the movie folks and the other folks. And the other folks, fortunately, are very, they get it. They understand, and they're cool. Yeah. They know they're going to have to stay a little later or whatever, but they're happy. Um, how are you to your own AD on that show? Uh, I was mostly good. I can be tough because, mm -hmm. um, you know, Familiarity breeds contempt, and I know everything that's going on. And there was one right. point he was using some excuse that I've used. <laughs> it's just the way he would phrase things, and he did a, he did a great job. He really did, because I, I would if if he wasn't, I would be freaking out, because I would be worrying about his job and mine, and I didn't. Um, but it was funny one time he was explaining something, and I went right to like, so what you're saying is that the actor isn't available that day but wants us to shoot around. You know, like I knew yeah, yeah, yeah. what <laughs> language he was speaking. He said, yeah, that's what I meant. Right. 
okay, well, no, or yes, or whatever it was. So it's funny, because uh, I know all the ways you can bullshit somebody and you know, hide problems on set mm-hmm. and mask issues and shoot around problems. Right. Um, and fortunately, we didn't have a lot of them. Other than it not getting picked back up. Right. No, we did get picked up. Oh, you did? We, then we got canceled. Uh, <laughs> we got unrenewed. We got unrenewed by the new president of Comedy Central. We were picked up for a second season. Well, and then, and then, then we were about to start writing change? it. There, there had been a regime change, and mm. then there was, they, he changed his mind, basically. <coughs> so, uh, and we hadn't started writing. So um, that's why I went to Africa last year. To work. Because I suddenly thought I went from nine-month job to no job <laughs> and no possibility of job. So, uh, yeah, that was a fun, fun, that was a fun couple of days. Yeah, that's vicious. Yeah, then you, that's why you end up in Nigeria for the month of March. Because <laughs> you Hoping to do children. some punch-up work on, on, on emails. Oh, man. Wait, what was that? What, what were the films in Africa? Was no, I was, I was teaching filmmaking in Africa. Oh, you were teaching filmmaking? Yes, pro- producing and directing, yes, for Nollywood filmmakers. Nigerian Excellent. Filmmakers. Yeah. Oh, that's a whole even better podcast. How long were you there? A month. Wow. Yeah. Because that is a real industry. It's the third largest. It's like yeah. India, us, and then them. Amazing. But it's all shit. But they try. <laughs> it, it's all porn shoots. Si- size shoots. Not They don't do porn. They're a very religious right. country. But Shooting on video. <clears throat> shooting on video with one light bounced against the wall. This, if there's a boom guy, he's pointing it to the sky. Right. Horrible sound. <laughs> um, Excitement, But though. cool stories. Great yeah. scripts. None of this bullshit like, oh, I don't know what I want to be. I'm 24 and I'm finding myself. It's more like, uh, no, there's a guy with a machete and he's going to kill me. And I have to escape him or die. Or there's a witch doctor who just turned a fetus from male to female in my uterus and now I have to fuck him because that's what he asked for. <coughs> Those are scripts I read. So. And they're real stories because they don't make anything up. So. Absolutely. It's fantastic. <laughs> and what was your role there then? This is logistically how you think make things happen. Uh, yeah, I was teaching them how I was doing as an assistant director, as a director, as a producer, how to make things happen. Yeah, and um, and right away we had a terrible leader of the program. And the good news is, as an assistant director, I'm used to running things, so I I almost did a coup. And uh, you know, I was helping run the lunch lines. I was helping to schedule. I was for the school, for the program. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> wow. So, because you know, it was like a lot of kids, and they needed logistics. Right. So, but Nollywood, yeah, that's that's that at least had to be fun. Yeah, Africa's yeah. you know, Africa's cool. It's it's an interesting place. And you went twice for the same thing. And then no, I did that, and then I went to uh, Senegal with Ed Helms and Nick Kroll and mm-hmm. and Natasha Leggero, Ricky Lindholm for uh, some PSAs about malaria. Also exciting. Yes. Yeah. So why did you have to shoot them there? Because uh, they were going out. We were going out for bed net distributions and shooting in a mom location. Yeah, okay. Well, that's good. <coughs> Which brings up a challenge. You want to make sure it looks like you're shooting in Africa, not in sure. Griffith Park. So, right. yeah. It's close, it's close sometimes. Uh. Well, you know, at the end of the day, a tree's a tree. Right. <laughs> so you've got to get some production value in there. And were you actually around, like, heavy malaria area? Well, yeah, although I didn't get yeah. bit with a mosquito once, which was kind of frustrating in a way. I mean, you want to kind of know you're risking it. <laughs> well, you got your shots. <clears throat> I got my shots, but um, I mean, I was like literally like not a single bite. I mean, come on. You were in the shit. I was in the shit. Intense. Yeah. That's funny. So then, man. But so how does that how does that talk go when we have the congratulations? The show is continuing. I'm sorry, the show is not continuing. Yeah, we were looking for uh, just another writer for our team, and it was like one of those phone calls. I'm really sorry to do this, guys. Yeah. But we're not going to move forward. And um, there's no big money payouts or something on that level. There's no like, well, I got two more years on my contract. Fine. You know, no, right. it's like literally, uh, okay. <laughs> right. Thank you, you, sir. May I have another? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you, you at least get the opportunity to pitch more to the same people? Oh, we can pitch all we want. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's another thing people think agents managed are great or that getting a meeting is great. No, a meeting is a meeting. You know, you do 10 meetings, hopefully you get some interest out of a couple um, or you get it to write a script. So we haven't sold anything again to them. We've gone in. We'll continue to go in. But um. there's just, you know. Um, so what makes you continue? 
<laughs> this line of business? I don't know. You know, why do I live here? I can't think of a better place. I can't. I don't know. Yeah. You know, it feels like a, the good news about it is on its on most of the days it feels not like something like work. It feels like kind of an activity. <laughs> there's days where it feels sure. like work when it's raining or someone's screaming at you or you know or there's other hellish things that I can't remember anything that would have really helped this hot podcast. <laughs> but but. Uh, Instead of my platitudes on how to, how to coach people up. <laughs> but, um, right. but generally, it's still a very enjoyable business. You get to work with creative, interesting people. And most of the time, that's... Uh, mm -hmm. Do you have like those moments out of a day yeah. where you're like, oh, wow, okay, I am actually in a magical environment. Yeah. And this is amazing. No, there are definitely times where you feel like you're in a magical environment. You know, the certain stunts are just great, like blowing up a car... That's awesome. Sure. Or I've gotten to like cue the volcano, the Mirage volcano in Vegas, or you know, awesome. landing a plane at an airport. <clears throat> there's, there's, you know, traveling a little bit. There's, there's stuff like that that's really cool. And and getting to go places that you wouldn't. Mm -hmm. Unique houses, uh, the command center downtown LA, where you see all the traffic cams that you didn't even notice before, and you go, oh my Ooh. god, they they see everything. Uh -huh. um, the Ronald Reagan Library, where I accidentally like took his chair. At the end, we, we set decorating. They, oh, is that our chair? I'm like, yeah, take it. And then they call me like three <laughs> hours later. You took the chair. It's the president's chair, you know. <laughs> well, it should look like Shatner's chair on the Enterprise. It, I, you know, I thought like it was that. IKEA. I don't know. But uh, so <laughs> it, it's interesting. You definitely have those moments where, yeah. you know, it's something that's that, that could be memorable or, or fun. In Nollywood, did you have um, a uh, one thing to leave everybody with as like a lesson? No, the, most th the thing I always, I always say is, you know, just make, uh, make it happen. You know, the biggest yeah. thing with, certainly you see with uh, independent movies especially, which I don't even know how people have the patience for that, but and it goes back to being a director, writer, producer, whatever. It's just got to make it happen. You just got to do it. There's a certain, I believe there's a real force in the universe where you go like, okay, I'm going to create this into being onto a piece of tape. I'm going to marshal the forces and make it happen. And really, film production almost every day is like that. There's mm -hmm. so many days <clears throat> where you go, I don't know how we're going to make today. How are we literally going to shoot these things that we have to do with all of the logistical challenges and moving a crew and moving equipment and people knowing lines and then all the fuck ups and then I remember that. Oh, I didn't know we had blue pages. I got the wrong pages. I got to rememorize it. Whatever. There's a million things that fight you. But every day, as an assistant director, you make it happen. And that's what you have to do as a director. As a producer, and, and if you don't have that, like, oh, it's going to happen, confidence, then you're dead. It's just never going to happen. There's mm -hmm. just too much that will wash over you, and it'll, just, it'll never happen. So that's the one thing I really love about my job is you get used to just forcing things to. We have to leave with, like, at least one story. Yeah. Um, I guess it doesn't have to be. I just assumed it would be all, like, stories. I know. Horrible things happening <clears throat> but it's really like you probably people probably hear about most of the bad stories when day-to-day -day is probably more routine and yeah, mundane. And, and I know what you're looking for I just it's <clears throat> I feel bad looking for it no I know and I thought I, it would be there anyway no and it's not even the most sensational things it's I mean like a guy with stone running over my friends this transport guy's being stoned and running over the AD, and I said, just drag his body to the side so we can get the shot. <laughs> That's horrible. Yeah, we gotta get the shot. <laughs> what, um, if you get a broken ankle, you might as well have a broken ankle over there. And you're like working, I forgot about Sonny. You do work, like working on that. Yeah, I, mean, I did three seasons, and those guys are great. Those guys are like, what you, anyone who ever wants to do a show, you want to do it the way they did it, because they just shoot fast. It's like them and their buddies hanging out. They kept it that way. Danny DeVito's pretty much that way, too. Mm -hmm. They just come in, they kill it, they leave. They're good. It's great. Nice to people. Simple. Yeah, yeah, they're great. Simple. They're fun. Uh, That's good. It's good to hear. It's a good to, you want to hear the good people or nice people. Yeah. Or the people you like on TV. Most TV <laughs> comedy people are good people. <laughs> Says Ross, so he can get more jobs. Okay, so if uh, so, we didn't say anything to... to um, I don't think so. Yeah, nothing that would actually get you. Yeah, it's just there's not many. Cause, and the other thing is funny is yep. I've done, I mean, I've done a lot of talking. I've, I've had learning, I've had a learning annex class, which is, right. I don't know if you knew that about that. <laughs> How to run a film set, yeah. Nice. I did that just to get in that magazine. <laughs> <laughs> so fantastic. That was a dream come true. 
and I, you know, talk about a dream. Right. Talking to about eight people in a Holiday Inn on a Saturday morning. That's right. fantastic. Um, <laughs> I've shown films but to I, less. So I've done a lot of speaking, and yeah. I don't have a lot of great stories like that. Right. I've just, you know what sucks? I'll, let me close on this. What yeah. sucks is I don't think not having great stories is because I'm an un uninteresting person or have not <laughs> or had a sheltered life. The business, especially in television, but in general, is very corporate now. And I hear uh, tons of stories about people doing drugs and prop trucks mm -hmm. and fucking around, getting free cars, and all this madness that happened like right before I got in, of course. <laughs> Just like the sexual revolution ended and then picked up again with the internet after I got married. <laughs> so it's just, but there's no, there's not even, you can't bribe anymore. There's nothing. You know, what happens is people mm. just get kickbacks to the company. Like the company gets all the benefits, these massive multinationals. Yeah. Everything is um, sexual um, harassment meetings and lawsuits mm -hmm. and taken care of again because the parent company can get sued for all of these things. So the office is NBC Universal and every show has a larger entity. And so what are you gonna do? I mean, you, 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 there's no hijinks because you can get fired or get sued and so it sucks. I mean, the funnest stuff was that early Corman stuff right. where you're, you're too dumb to know and you're working in bed, you know, I'm doing a body burn with a guy and it's like, with a special effects guy who's drunk, and I'm like, you, you okay if he's on fire? Yeah, I'm good, you know. <laughs> okay, good enough, let's, you know. Awesome, that's good, that's a good story. <laughs> yeah, that's a good, that was my first day as a first AD, it was like a full body burn. <laughs> Trying to figure out how to do that. And light him, I guess. <laughs> Go for that, okay. Nothing good since then. Awesome, thank you, Ross.